and welcome back. My name is John Keeley. As advised at, at the introduction, uh, we said we'd take a little time uh, today just to revisit, I know we've done it a few times in the programme, but just revi- revisit um, Knock and a Lady of Knock and the apparition there. And as I said, uh, the novena to a Lady of Knock was on the, in more recent days. Um, it's finished on the 22nd. Um, 5,000 people each session, about 90,000 people attended the novena. Uh, a wonderful occasion for people to express their faith. But I thought it might be a good opportunity now for Michael maybe to join us this morning and just refresh our memories on actually when it, when the operation occurred and what happened. So, Michael, you might just give us a brief one, please. Yeah. I suppose, John, just to start with, I always feel that we need to kind of get a picture of what Ireland was like in 1879. Just after the famine, yeah? Yeah, it was just the aftermath of the famine. It was unbelievable poverty. Mm. Landlordism was the big thing, you know. Yeah. Evictions were widespread, you know, and of course, we also in history books we read about us, the hell of the Connacht, you know, that's mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. we didn't believe. And in the middle of all that poverty, there was one very devout and saintly parish priest, Archdeacon Kavanagh. Yeah. Now, he was in Westport during the famine, and he saw the famine at his very worst. You know, they said he often knighted 40 people before his breakfast in the morning. So he was moved to Knock. Wow. And he was so concerned for all the people that died needlessly, you know, because of disease and famine, that he decided he'd celebrate 100 consecutive masses for the holy souls in purgatory, because he saw people dying around him left, right, and centre. And... He concluded the 100 consecutive Masses on the 21st of August, 1879, the day of the apparition. And we'll see later, there is a connection, like, you know, between the Masses and the apparition itself. So later that evening, the apparition occurred in the gable wall of the church at Knock. And it happened at about 7.30 in the evening and in pouring rain. So... Well, if we look at the weather, nothing has changed since 1879. Oh, no, it's still no, raining. No. You know, the month of August you would expect to be fine, but it's still nice. raining in 1879. Yeah. So, like, there's nothing new happening in West August. Um, so, there were 15 witnesses in total, aged from, you know, John Corey, who was five, up to Bridget Trinch, who was 74. So, there were 15 official witnesses to the apparition. And what they described is what we, the vision we see in Knock today on the Gable Wall in Knock. And, you know, the centre of that apparition believe it or not, is the Lamb of God and the altar. You know, we think of it as a Marian apparition, you know, a lot. Oh, yes. And Our Lady did appear there, of mm. course, and we mm. give it to honour. But the actual, the Lamb is on the centre. Our Lady, St. John and St. Joseph, as we look at the apparition, are to the left of it. Mm. And Our Lady's hands, oh, sorry, Our Lady's eyes were raised to heaven as if she was praying or interceding for us. Okay. And she was turned slightly towards the Lamb and the altar. And the other thing, of course, about the Lamb and the Altar, there was angels circling the altar the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, while the apparition occurred. Now, St. Joseph, he was bowed as if in prayer. His hands were joined in prayer, and he was bowed slightly towards Our Lady, giving reverence to Our Lady. Mm-hmm. St. John had the book of the Gospels in one hand, and he had the other hand raised as if preaching, you know, as if he was on yes, the altar yes. preaching. So, the, the whole vision that, that was described is what we have in the book of Revelation because Our Lady was also dressed as a bride. Okay. And in the book of Revelation, we have this lovely quotation, Blessed is anyone who is invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of Catholics shy away a bit from the book of Revelation or Apocalypse. We find it very, very heavy going, you know. Yeah. And 
I suppose this is what those souls that were relieved from purgatory saw, the beatific vision they saw, you know, they saw the Lamb. Because every time you look at the book of Revelation, John always calls him the Lamb. He never mentions the word Jesus. He, you know, he calls it, I think it's 28 times in 22 chapters. Mm. Jesus is called the Lamb of God in the book of Revelation. And um, that was the Lamb that appeared on the altar. And of course, it's definitely connected to the 100 Masses, you know, because when we go to Mass, who is on the altar? The Lamb of God, isn't it? You know, that's on the altar, the sacrificial Lamb. And I suppose Knock is unique because it's the only place in the world that the Lamb of God ever appeared. You know, we have a lot of marine apparitions all over the world, but you won't find the Lamb of God anywhere in the world. So Knock is truly unique in that regard. Now, 10 days after the apparition, the first miracle was reported. Delia Gordon, she was miraculously cured from a severe ear problem. And that started absolute mayhem and knock. Mm, naturally. You know, by February 1880, six months after the apparition, there was big holes appearing in the gable wall because everybody was taking a bit of plaster from the wall. Mm. They were sending it to their relatives in England and America, all over the place, and there was cures being reported everywhere. Mm. You know, I'm sure if you were in the museum, you'd see some of the old pictures there with all the crutches thrown against the wall, people walking away perfectly, they're leaving the crutches in knock, you know. And a lot of them put that down to the rubbing the plaster to their ailment, you know, so they started yes. taking yeah. <laughs> bits of plaster. Chunks of it, yeah. <laughs> Chunks of plaster. Um, the first commission, believe it or not, was set up six weeks after the apparition. Dr. John Michael Ashbishop he didn't delay. No. Oh. How long do we wait for, for a commission to be set up in Medjugorje and all these places in, in yes, Fatima? Yeah, 31 years at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But he set it up six weeks afterwards. And the one thing that helped him was that Archdeacon Kavner recorded everything. Every reported cure, he recorded it. That man was truly inspired, you know, Archdeacon yes. Kavner. So it made the, commission, the job of the commission very easy because everything had been recorded from day one. There was no third party tales, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, anything like that. So that commission found that the testimony of the witnesses was on the whole trustworthy and satisfactory. Now, there was a second commission in 1936. Mary Bodden was on her deathbed, and she confirmed everything again. She said, knowing that I'm going before my God. She knew she was going before God. Mm. She confirmed everything. And uh, that was the early story of Knock. Mm. Gradually, Knock built over the years, of course, until we came to the 60s, and we got this great man, Monsignor James Horden. Yes. Because he really made Knock an international pilgrimage site. Yes. You know. This mm. man was inspired. He's known as the builder of Knock. You know. He built the basilica, he built an airport against all the odds. You know, this man, he developed the grounds for that today. I suppose the most, one of the most beautiful places I'll visit now, the grounds are it's so beautiful. beautiful. The, the mm. lawns and the flowers and everything like that. And miracles happen at Knock all the time. We don't always hear about them, but there are still miracles happening at Knock. And you know, I suppose one of the most famous ones in recent years was Marion Carroll in 1989. Mm-hmm. She was in advanced stages of MS and she was completely cured. Her doctor said there was no explanation, no doubts could have done what happened. Mm-hmm. And she's going around the country now giving talks and healing sessions. And she's a handmaid at Knock, I think, once a month there. She, she, and we can meet her there, you know, she's mm-hmm. there the whole time. Yeah. Beautiful. Michael, there's a few things just going through my mind um, these days. Um, the lamb. When people speak about, uh, you know, the um, knock, the, as you rightly said, the lamb isn't put to the forefront. Why do you think that is? Why do you think 
Well, I suppose we have a great devotion to our lady in this country, you know, and we're really taking up that our lady visitors, you know, we're very proud of that. And of course, our lady is interceding for us there, like, you know, I'm not trying to take away from our lady mm-hmm. one bit, you know, mm-hmm. because our lady of Knock has worked wonders for people and they've got, you know, all the requests to our lady of Knock as well. Mm-hmm. But I think at Knock, we've been drawing particularly to the mess, you know, the lamb and the altar there. And that, that victorious cast at the back, you know, that bear cast, Jesus is not on the cross. You know, he's a sacrificial lamb on the altar. Maybe Shane might like to say something on that for you, Shane. Yeah, it's an unusual aspect, I suppose, of the apparition. Um, of course, the other side of the other unusual side of the apparition, of course, is it was speechless. Mm-hmm. There was no message uh, associated with the apparition. But of course, it's an interesting one, I suppose, in terms of a cultural context as well at the time, and kind of renewing and of the ongoing Irish devotion to the Eucharist, which had come down to the penal times. And, you know, and that ongoing focus that was there, which we saw right up to the present day with the Eucharistic Congress we held, held, held here in Dublin in June. Mm. You know, so I suppose it's, it's an important apparition from that perspective um, in terms of, again, you know, it's, it, if, if, if we're to be paying particular attention to what the message of, of Knock is, considering there is no verbal message, it's Mary once again in her role pointing to the altar pointing to her son, because I suppose that's something we have to be very careful with in an Irish context. We have a great devotion to Mary as mother. And the problem with that, of course, is that sometimes it borderline crosses over to where it shouldn't go. Mm. You know, we kind of, kind, of, kind of sometimes almost forget her son. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we, we as, a, as a community, need to be very careful of. It's something that often our, our separated brethren in the Protestant churches would say to us, and even our brethren in the Orthodox churches would point out and say that sometimes there's an excessive uh, Marian devotion in the Catholic tradition. But, you know, getting back to, getting back to, to Knock, you know, again, it's always a reminder. It points, she points back to her son. Uh, the lamb, the lamb, and as John called it, or as, as Michael said, you know, the glorious cross, the empty cross. Of course, it's also interesting in terms of the two uh, saints that appeared with Mary. I always find it interesting. It's John the Evangelist, and it's her husband, Joseph. Because I don't think we hear too often about Joseph appearing anywhere to anybody else. Mm. Uh, in fact, no, I, I always stand open to correction on these things, but I'm not aware of any other apparition with Joseph. Yeah, I think um, right. I've never heard of it, Jane, either. Yeah, no. I've, I've never heard of any other apparition where Joseph <laughs> appears. And, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> kind of almost, and, and then, of course, it's John, John the Evangelist, a very young, mind you, looking John, uh, considering. Um, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, but, uh, of course, and the important thing, of course, about John is the fact that, you know, from the cross, Jesus said to John, you know, son, here is your mother, mother, here is your son. You know, so, and of course, John, you know, tradition is it that John is the beloved disciple. And of course, again, you know, and we'll touch on it slightly in the gospel reflection, you know, John's gospel is a very Eucharistic-centered gospel, despite the fact it is the only gospel that doesn't have the words of institution of the Eucharist, which we use at Mass. But it's a very Eucharistic-centered gospel. And of course, you know, going back, I suppose, to the devotion to Knock, of course, we had the visit of John Paul in 79, and he presented the Golden Rose to the Basilica, or he presented Golden Rose to the Shrine, and also raised the, the, the church to the status of a Basilica. But I suppose the other thing, I suppose, just, I, what I found interesting about the Novena this year is uh, there's a slight anomaly, actually, in the liturgical calendar, because the apparition was the 22nd of August, but in the new calendar, the feast day of Our Lady of Knock is the 17th. But the talks this year, because they were they were made, they are made available on the Knock 
Shrine website. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I don't have the website in front of me. Is it knockshrine.ie? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, we might get it yeah. before the end of the program. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there's a the, the, the talks from the 15 days are there. Some of them are very good. Very good. Very good. Very uh, inspiring. Very informative. There was also a homily from His Excellency the Papal Nuncio, which, well, to be honest, didn't really say anything new. I was kind of hoping for something better from the man, but anyway, um, you know. Um, but it, you know, so but the, the, the talks and the homilies over the fourteen days were, you know, I'd say, say to people if you have time, sit down and listen to them. But all, again and again, of course, knock and the whole the whole thing with knock is Mary pointing back to her son, and I think that's something we need to, you know. We need to remember, particularly in these times. Maybe if I could just finish up with what the priest said in Knock one day. He said, you know, all over the world, our lady appeared, you know, she appeared alone. But when she came to Knock, she brought the whole family. You know, she brought the oh, husband and the it. son. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> she brought them all to Knock. So we have one up in the rest of the world. <laughs> well, yeah, so, she, you know, it's, uh, actually, actually, that is actually very good, John. She brought the whole family. That is very good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now, ju- just to finish off this section, and as usual, controversial as ever, Shane. You know me now. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to those, you know, to those talks on the web, and I, I'd really encourage people to. Uh, f- for once, I have to disagree with you slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to the Archbishop Charles Brown's one. Mm-hmm. To me, it was very encouraging because it was all about the future of the Church in Ireland, the Catholic Church in Ireland. Mm-hmm. What I did, what I suggest people do is listen to that because I know Joe Little gave a little bit of a as Spiff ended there a few days ago I don't think he'd done justice to what the Archbishop said there's also a bit on the Irish Catholic on page 7 this week but you know there, there, the, there are if, if people have time and they're looking for access to the text of the homily yeah. um, it's on the Dublin Archdiocesan website it's on the Episcopal Conference website uh, I think our own Limerick Diocesan website is going to cover it at some might have it as well yeah um, and uh, if you know we, we might actually put a link on the blog as well Perfect. But I think it's so important that, I mean, there were were 10,000 people there every day, um, loads of priests there, um, you know, hearing confessions. Um, A wonderful expression of faith. And and to me, it it was a wonderful place to be that particular day. But anyway, time for us to go for a piece of music. Just just one final thought, John, I suppose. It's also, I suppose, a, a very stark reminder to us. If we look at the front page of this week's Irish Catholic, where they're scoop, their expose, is that in the autumn meeting of the Episcopal Conference, the bishops are going to authorize the celebration of paraliturgies in parishes at weekends where there are no priests. And I suppose it's a reminder to us of the centrality of the Eucharist in our faith and the need for priestly vocations. Yeah, I think what we'll do, I think we will have a discussion on that some other day, but we better go for a piece of music now. Um, the one and only Frank Patterson singing... Our Lady of Knock. From Faith of Our Fathers. Let's go for it. Oh, the game. 
Here I stand with joy. 